Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tyler Jagan. I'm the lead pastor here at River Run. And for those of you who do know me, you may not know my wife, Kimberly. Uh, she spends most of her time uh, volunteering her time over there in River Kids. And we've been married for almost 28 years. And uh, yeah. 28 years flies by fast when you're married to your best friend, so it's been great. But our first 10 years of marriage, we had tried over and over and over again to have a baby, to have a child. And for those of you who have dealt with that, you know what it's like to, to year in, year after, you know, to keep trying to get pregnant and you just can't. We, we did some things with infertility and we got to a place where we just kind of prayerfully considered, hey, you know what, uh, maybe we should adopt and so we went through the process of adoption. I mean, we pretty much went all the way through to, to pretty much to the end. Uh, it was about a year, year and a half uh, experience. Uh, we went through all of the bureaucracy, the legal stuff, the mountains of paper. We went through home studies. We did courses. We had spent like ten to $12,000 on this process. And the country that we were going to adopt in had this requirement at the end of it. And at the end of it all, the requirement was so that, that uh, the, the mother who was going to adopt couldn't be pregnant. So they would have to take a pregnancy test to make sure that they're not pregnant at the very end of it all. And so Kimberly had, she went, she was going to go, she went to go take this test by which she just assumed like any other day for the last 10 years, she was going to get the same results, a negative result. But as you could tell that uh, she got a different result and she was shocked. I was shocked. We were shocked. And we have been so blessed by the grace of God to be able to have Calvin in our life for the last 18 years. And so, but that, but that's a, that's a story for another time, really. Because at the same time, way back in the early days when we found out that she was positive, was we, had, we kind of grieved. We, we kind of grieved that uh, we weren't going to have the, the, this full experience of adoption that our 10th year anniversary would fly overseas and, and take this child into our life and love and nurture them. And, um, but at the same time, though, as we kind of processed that, we were so grateful that we went through that process because it was in that process that Kimberly and I really kind of learned a little bit more of what it's like to, to be adopted and and what it's like to, to be a parent who adopts a child into their lives. And through that, God really used that to really help give more clarity about what my relationship with him is, is really like. Because I don't know if you know this or not, that when you are born into this world, you're born into a different family. Scripture shows, and Paul shows it in, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus talks about this in the Gospels, that when we are born into this world, we have a different father. We have a different, you know, uh, family. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, it's called the prince of this air, the prince of this world. Jesus calls him Satan, the devil, a slanderer, liar. When we are born into this world, that's who our father is. It's a pretty bad father that we learn a lot of bad things from, by which creates a lot of brokenness and hurt in our lives. But God, 
by his incredible grace, made a choice, made a choice to adopt us out of the brokenness of that family, to adopt us into his family, by which he can nourish us, help us to grow, experience what, what real love is and healthiness, by which we can have a father that we can feel secure with for eternity. Paul mentioned it like this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He said it like this. He said, God decided in advance, right? People who adopt, they decide in advance that they're going to adopt. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, when we went through the adoption process and talking to other people too, it's, it's an arduous task. It's, a, it's daunting. It's huge. It seems, it, it, you know, it's stressful. And, and you go through all that bureaucracy. And, you know, like I said, we, you know, we already plopped down ten dollars to $12,000. But when I think about that sacrifice, and it felt like a big sacrifice at the time, that sacrifice is so small compared to the sacrifice that our God has made in order to adopt us. Jesus Christ is God's adoption process, okay? He paid the legal price to bring us into his family. And when he adopts us into his family, legally, we are his. And we are his forever. And Caleb talked about the security that we have and being part of God's family because being part of God's family is not based on yours or my strength or yours or my goodness. Thank goodness. It's based on the strength, the infinite strength of God's power and his love for us. We cannot break the legal, you know, the, the, the legal requirement of being part of his family. We are bonded to him forever and we are secure in that. And what an incredible blessing that is that we can know that we are secure in being part of his family forever. Now, Caleb talked about last week that, you know, all of us really desire to live a life of security, right? Like we want, you know, security gives us a sense of strength. You know, I feel secure. When we feel insecure, insecure about, you know, our finances or insecure about our relationships with other people, insecure about a relationship with God, we feel a sense of low-level stress or anxiety or depression, and we feel insecure. But when we feel secure, we feel strong. And one of the things that Paul, you know, particularly in his letter in Ephesians, is just writing to the people of Ephesus by which reverberates down to us 2,000 years later is, is to help to give us security of knowing that you're loved. You're loved by a father who will not abandon you or leave you. Paul writes about that in Romans chapter 8. There's, I'm convinced, he says, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. You know, one of the books that we had to read when we were going through the adoption process was this book called Building the Bonds of Attachment. Because one of the things that um, we were going to kind of work through was we were going to adopt somebody that was going to be about a year and a half old. And so during that year and a half, they were probably going to be born into this world and be part of an orphanage by which there would be in those very formative years, a sense of detachment from a mom or a dad. And studies show over and over that in those years where we don't get that kind of attachment, we struggle with being attached to other people. And when we were abused or we were hurt when we were young, we have attachment issues. Why? Because we have trust issues. 
And so we can go through this world feeling like, okay, you know what? I've been abandoned, and so I don't trust that anybody's going to be there for me, so I'm going to take control of my own life. Or people have hurt me or wounded me, so I'm going to make sure that I keep them at bay because I don't want to be wounded like that. Nobody does, right? So we can come into this world with attachment issues. And reading that book, it was really kind of interesting because I was reading that book. I was like, okay, Lord, this really kind of helps me to make sense of my relationship with you. Because I gave my life to Christ when I was like 17 years old. For 17 years, I was living a life of really kind of detachment from God and attached to the things of this world. And so as attached to the things of this world, I began to kind of just recognize that maybe that's the reason why that even in my life that I know in my mind, theologically, that I'm secure in my relationship with God, that I have issues at times feeling intimate with God, feeling really close to him. That there's times in my life where I feel still a sense of distrust in him. That, that you know, that it feels a sense of anxiety that maybe this is going to be the time that he's not going to pull through for me. Or, or even sin. You know what sin is basically? The core level of sin? Sin at its core level is really just distrust in God. It's all it is. You know? We basically say, well, God, I really don't think you know what you're talking about. God, I really don't think you're going to pull through on this. So I'm going to have to deal with this on my own. I'm going to take control of it myself. And so we do things on our own based on our distrust of God. That in reality, we come into a relationship with God with attachment issues, right? How many of you guys would just say like, man, I feel 120% intimately enmeshed in my relationship with God the Father all the time, everywhere. Maybe some of you do, but there's probably a lot of us who are like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know? Maybe it's not that we were kind of wounded or anything like that in life, but we've kind of learned how to do things on our own. And so, you know, we only go to God and our relationship with God is only when we need him, right? Instead of really doing life with him. That's attachment issues. Or when we, you know, we're afraid of God and we think that God is going to smite us and hammer us because we've experienced that in this world. And so we keep God at bay because we have attachment issues. And so one of the things that you read through Ephesians, encourage you guys to read through it, through kind of the first, you know, three, two and a half chapters, Paul goes into this whole idea and just talking about the reality of that God comes in and he adopts us. And he adopts us not based on who we are and what we've done. It's all based on him. It's a gift. It's a choice he's made to bring us into his family. And he's brought us all into this amazing family. Jews and Gentiles, all of us people. We're kind of this mosaic group of people that he all adopts into this family. And then in this piece, in the middle of Ephesians chapter 3, down to the end of that chapter or so there, Paul kind of makes this shift. Like, you need to understand you're secure in your, your, your familial relationship with God. You're legally his, okay? He loves you. But it's as if Paul understands that we can sit there and go, yeah, yeah, okay, I get that, and that's nice and all that. But why do I still feel like I'm not really connected with God? And so he kind of makes this turn here. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he's talking about we're adopted. We're all brought into this, this amazing family. And then he says this in verse 14. When I think of all of this, the fact that God, you know, brought us into this one big family, I fall on my knees and I pray to my father. 
One of the things, if you go and you look at the life of Paul, through Paul's life, one of the things that you see, and he talks about faith and trust and the Father, is, is a man who constantly was seeking the Lord, by which you see in him this just incredible trust in him, by which he also feels and experiences the you know, affirming love of God. And so here he is, he's like thinking about all of us and, you know, all of people who have been adopted into God's kingdom. And he's like, man, I fall down to my knees and I talk to my father. So Paul understands that this is a, this is a different father. This is a father that, that will listen to us. This is a father who cares deeply about what we speak to him. Another thing that I've just learned just from studying scripture as well, is I love to camp out a little bit more when I see where Paul says, I get down on my knees and I pray, okay? You ever kind of wondered, you know, if you were to ask Paul, hey, Paul, I got a question. What are the things that you talk to God about? Well, we get a glimpse of that through his letters. And so in those moments, it's a great time just to kind of stop and go, okay, wait a minute. These are the things that Paul talks to God about. So if Paul thinks, you know, that he's gonna stop and he's gonna talk to God about this, this is probably pretty, pretty big stuff. And I believe that, the, that what he's going to talk about here is pretty big stuff. In fact, he's going to talk to God about this stuff. And then at the end of this little segment here of his letter here, he's going to go, man, when I consider the things of God, boom, mind blown. Like he gets mind blown about what he's about to pray to God about and what he's praying for. So this is really important. So I fall to my knees and I pray to my father, okay, my dad, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And then what is, he, what is he praying about? Verse 16. I pray from his glorious, rich, glorious, unlimited resources. What would God, if he was sitting, what would Paul, if he was sitting here and say, man, God, from your unlimited and glorious resources, this is what I'm begging you and asking you to do. What is it? It's that he will empower you and me with what? with inner strength through his spirit. As Paul says, man, you know, I get on my knees and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you. He uses this word dunamis, which is the word where we get dynamite, right? That God would give you the power, you know, uh, within you or the power, he will empower you with inner strength, we talk about security and how security gives us strength. Oftentimes when we live by the father of this world, we kind of get adopt this idea that, especially since he doesn't really give us the love that we really need, we really kind of believe in this idea that life is really, my inner strength is really about everything else being in control. Everything else working right. My job works right. My finances work right. My spouse works right. My kids work right. Everybody works right. Everything, you know, my health works right. Everything. But one, one of those little things start kind of going sideways. We tend to go sideways, right? I do. I don't know about you. But here Paul is basically saying that strength is not found in the controlling or manipulating of the things on the outward things of this world. It's allowing God to empower us in our inner being, to give us strength inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians, and in his letter to the Galatians, he said that, you know, when God adopts us, we are given the Holy Spirit. 
Do you know what the Holy Spirit, you know, especially in that context in Galatians, and he talks about it in Romans too, so two different letters, these are, resonate really big with Paul, is that the Holy Spirit speaks within our hearts, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are adopted and nothing's gonna change that. And he's our father and he loves us. What we are gonna see from the rest of this passage here, that you know where you find your greatest inner strength in your life. It's not from the outside world. It's not even from the outside kind of, you know, relationships with other people. It is found in the deep, profound understanding that you are truly, not just theologically, not just biblically, you are truly loved by the creator of the world who is your father. And that's never going to stop. That's where we find strength. You know, oftentimes, you know, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And so oftentimes when we hear that verse from Philippians 4.13, we just ask God, you know, to give us strength like Popeye the sailor man, right? You know, I'm ready to tackle today. And then we go to work or we go to school or whatever, and it's just a mess. And then we're like, oh, we're a putty mess. When really the inner strength is that no matter what happens today, Lord, you're with me. No matter what happens to me today, you love me. And if I die today, I'm in your presence, experiencing no more attachment issues, but experiencing what it's like to really understand the resurrected of the dead where we are purified and there's no barriers at all between you and me and with other humanity who are with you as well, all right? And so he will empower us with the inner strength through spirit. So he goes on in verse 17 and he says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. So one of the things I love about when we think about our adoption with God is, you know, I, I would just kind of imagine that if, if we did go through the adoption and there was attachment issues with, with Kimberly and I, I, I bet it would probably go somewhere in my mind of like, hey, we're good people, just trust us. We're not gonna harm you. Why don't you trust us, you know? And thinking that, why don't they trust us? Because Kimberly and I, we're, hey, we, we think we're pretty decent people. We're nice, we're safe people. And God knows he's safe. God knows that, you know, he is everything in a father that all of us need. You know, he knows that. But he also knows that we deal with trust issues. And I love the fact that our father allows us to process through that you know, allows us to walk through that relationship with him by which we gain trust, by which when we gain trust, we begin to trust him more. And by we begin to, you know, trust him more, we listen to him more to speak into our hearts. And as we begin to do that, we begin to feel closer to him. As we begin to feel closer to him, instead of this relationship being a little bit tight-fisted, we're beginning to kind of open up a little bit to him. And I love the fact that our God doesn't get mad or frustrated in that. He's constantly working in our lives to build our trust so we can have that freedom of experience, that relationship with him. And it's all done through a relationship that Christ will make his home in your hearts. That Christ would reside in a relationship with you. The strength that you need is the strength of your relationship with Christ. It's more than just looking towards Christ in order to go to heaven forever. 
It's more than just looking for God to answer some kind of issues and circumstances that are going on in our lives. It is really saying, okay, you know what? I've been doing this religious thing and, you know, I've been going to church, but I've recognized that just going to church, I'm just going to church. And, and if I'm just going to church, that means I'm not having a relationship with you, which means I'm kind of keeping you at bay, God, rather than bringing you closer into my life and me stepping more into uh, a trusting relationship with you. So then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow deep. What do roots do, right? They do a couple of things. One, they make you strong, right? Really strong uh, trees have very strong roots. They go deep down into the ground. And there's not much that can, that can make them waver. Um, what else do they do? They bring nutrients. So what he's talking about, the things that create nourishment in our lives is, is, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we put our roots down deep into him, we get secure because we get the nourishment that we need from him and allow him to love us and to love us deeply. And so your roots will go down into what? What do we seek our roots down into? God's love, God's love. Jeremiah chapter 17, I encourage you sometime, maybe in your small group on your way home, just kind of read that little piece there. But Jeremiah kind of gives, the prophet there kind of gives this idea that cursed is the man who puts the trust in mere mortals, mere man. They're like a shrubbery, like in the desert. It's just kind of like tumbleweed. Why? Because they have no, they have no real roots. When we put our roots down into other people or into other circumstances, they can't give us the, the infinite love nourishment that we need. And so we get mad, we get bitter. And when we get mad and we bitter, we just kind of get shriveled up. But he says, but blessed are the ones who puts their trust in the Lord, who puts their hope and confidence in him. They are like a tree planted by the riverside and their roots grow deep by which their leaves never wither. In season, out of season. It can be a dust storm everywhere. But these trees bear fruit. Why? Because their nourishment is not in the nourishment of this world, but in the nourishment in God's love. It gives us that strength. And that is what keeps you strong. What makes you strong is God's love. Now, I know that, you know, I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been times where I'll sit there and go, you know what, you know, uh, God loves me, but, God loves me, but. And anytime I sit there and I realize that, I say that, God loves me, but, that means I don't fully believe in the understanding that my true nourishment is the nourishment that comes from God because God loves me. Yeah, I know that. But I really need this stuff to work out at work. I need this person to be like this. I need this, you know, circumstance to happen like that. Rather than, wait a minute, I'm looking to these things to give me strength, right? And, and I'm neglecting your love, God. Rather than saying, I'm gonna come to you and put my roots down into you and just let you remind me, I'm okay. You love me. I'm okay. We're going to be good. So it goes on in verse 18, and he says this, and may you have the power to understand. There's this word again, power, dynamite, dunamis. May you have the power to understand. And I love this because I, I, I would love to sit down with Paul and say, are you kind of thinking like, man, you know, I wish you had the power to understand because we have a bunch of thick heads. We have thick skulls. I wish that God in his infinite power just get through our thick skulls, how deeply loved we are and how vastly important that is. You know, may you have the power to understand, you know, to, to comprehend, to get it. As all God's people should, what? How wide, how long, how high, how love, 
or how deep his love is. I mean, that God, this is Paul praying. If God, if Paul was here today, he'd be praying for us. Man, God, I pray that your, your unlimited and glorious, incredible resources that you would help them and give them the, you know, use your power, the power to understand, give them the power to understand how incredibly loved they are, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is. This is his prayer request for the people of Ephesus. And I would dare say that it's his prayer request for every church that he was a part of. And I would dare say that if he was here, he would say, this is a prayer that God, that they would take those steps of faith even when they're afraid because they've been wounded in the past by mere mortals. I pray that they would take a step of faith and, and, and a step of, of understanding and clarity that even though they have learned to do some things in this world by themselves, that they're missing out on the greatest part of experience, the greatest strength, and that is knowing how incredibly loved they are. You have the power to understand, as God, all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love is. Theology is a fancy word. Theology means the study of God. Theos is, you know, God. Ology is where we get the study of. The, theology. And really the great theology is really the understanding, the studying of God's character. And we know from scripture that God's greatest character is his depth of love. As people, our greatest endeavor of life of study should be studying how incredible our God loves us. That our minds, we would have the power to understand how deeply he loves us. It's not a God loves us, but, but whoa, wait a minute. God loves us, our Father and Creator of all the universe, who is perfect and righteous and all-powerful, who loves us to the nth degree by which we see it in the face of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. That is what we've been yearning for and, and need, is that love and to comprehend that love and to sit in that love and to experience that love and to allow God to love us. Now, when you have attachment issues, it's hard to let somebody into your life. It is, because you're afraid. I get afraid. But what Paul is saying, that God would give us the power to step into that love, that we would understand it, and that we would experience. So that bridge in our relationship with him would come close. You know, you and I, we are wired for love. We learn fear. And in this world, we've learned fear, but we were wired for love. And so as we, we step out in, in fear sometimes in faith to allow God to love us and to reveal to us how much he truly loves us, we enter into a closer relationship with him that begins to break some of that, that hardness or that, that detachment in our life with him. He goes on in verse 19 and he says this. And this is what he's praying for all of us and the people of Ephesus. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand. I love that picture because right before that, what did he say? He said, may you have the power to understand even though you'll never understand it. Why? What is he conveying to us? He's conveying to us the love of God is infinite. 
And unfortunately, it's just, you know, the way it is, you and I, we're finite. We will never be able to come to the end of our understanding of how deeply and profound the love of God is. But Paul, I believe, is saying it is a worthwhile endeavor to keep seeking after that. So you may experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then what will happen? What will happen to us when we begin to understand how deeply God loves us? He says, then we will be made complete. Anybody in here want to feel complete? When you love to feel the security of feeling complete, that your life is complete. Oftentimes we chase purpose, you know, the purpose of careers, purpose of doing stuff. What Paul is saying here, the greatest purpose in life is to understand how deeply you lo are loved by God. That your life will be complete when you fully understand how much God loves you. Then you'll be complete with all the fullness of life. Where's the fullness of life? Is the fullness in life and more money? Is the fullness of life being able to control other people to do the things that you want them to do? Paul is saying from his own experience, the fullness of life, again, is just sitting there and going, wow, you love me, don't you? You know what? I've been, I've been wanting things because I thought these things would fill my heart. And I thought these things would bring love into my life because other people will validate me because I would be successful or because I have certain things and people would love me and my life would be full. Paul's basically saying, nope, that's what our bad parent of this world teaches us. But the parent who loves us deeply, who's willing to sacrifice, you know, for us, not, not the the one of this world who will kill, steal, and destroy, who will sacrifice us, you know, but the one who sacrifices life for us, loves us so much that the fullness of life comes from just knowing him and knowing him well and how much he loves us and the power that comes from God. So Paul's just talking about this, man, okay, you're adopted, but sometimes we get into this adopted world and we feel a sense of, you know, detachment from God because, you know, we come into this sense of belief that it's about the, the, the family that we were in this world that gets us all confused and messed up. And, and we've been jaded and hurt in this world. And so we have attachment issues with God. So we kind of keep them at bay. But man, when we step out into faith to, to begin to learn how to trust him and, and to learn how much he loves us and what does that mean to us? And we, we begin to step out in faith to allow him to, to love us, then we experience, you know, the fullness of life and the fullness of a relationship with God. And when Paul, when he's, you know, writing this and he's praying this to God, it's like there's a mind blown. Boom. And this is what he says in verse 20. He says in verse 20, he goes, he goes on and says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is one of the most misused verses in the Bible, out of context. I've used it out of context. I've used this verse to go basically say, God, I just lost my job or something like that. Give me a, you know, I believe that you're going to get me a job. And not only that, but scripture tells me you're going to give me a better job. Or, you know what, they broke up with me, but I'm trusting that God who is able to do more than I can even think or imagine is going to give me even a better person in my life. 
That's not it at all. It's not it at all. What he is saying is that we ask for these things and we ask God for the stuff of this world and God goes, I'm gonna give you something better than that. You're seeking all of these things because you're seeking to be loved deeply. That's what you want, but they're not gonna give it to you. That's why you're jaded and that's why you're confused. I'm gonna give you what you really need and what you really, really do want. And that is to be loved. Loved for who you are. Loved even in your messes. Loved even in your mistakes. Secure, I'm with you. Yeah, you, yeah, you messed that up. <laughs> but I love you. It doesn't change anything. Let's keep moving. Let's keep growing. It's that grace of recognizing that we can breathe. We can breathe because we know we have a Father who loves us deeply. And we'll always do that for the rest of our lives and everything that we've been seeking for in this world that we cannot find is now found. An intimate relationship with a God who loves us. Verse 21. It's glory to him in the church. Glory to him. And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever, all glory to you, God, who loves us, who picked us up out of the, the junk and the mire of this world, and through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, adopted us into your family so we can begin to feel what it means to be whole again because now we're beginning to, to trust in what it means to be loved again and loved right where we're at and to step into that relationship with you and to experience that. Father, every single one of us here are, are in all different places in our relationship with you. Some of us are at a place where we feel like you're going to abandon us or you're going to hurt us, or you're really just not going to be there for us. Some of us, we, we've gotten a glimpse of it, and we, we've kind of seen it a little bit, and, and uh, we know that you're trustworthy, and so our, we're, we're getting more and more attached to you, but when we're super honest that there's still things in our lives that when those things happen, we, we get a little insecure, and, and we say thank you so much for giving us the grace to be able to walk through that insecurity, for you to, to remind us that we are loved, to, to give us that security that we, we really need. For those in this room who've gotten to that place in their lives where they're just open, their hands are open, and they just allow you completely into their lives and all aspects of their lives and their experience, their grace, they, they just say thank you and they glorify you. So Father, I pray for any of us, wherever we are on that continuum in our relationship with you, Lord, that you would just bring us close. I pray for those who ha don't have a relationship with you that are here for whatever reason. But I pray that your spirit would just begin to work in their hearts, to woo them into your family, that they may be able to stop trying to figure this out in this world, stop trying to get people to love them, stop trying to get more stuff to fill their hearts, that they would begin this journey now of a relationship with you in order to experience the peaceful, incomprehensible, secure love that comes from you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.